This afternoon we'll be continuing our practice in metta, or the loving-kindness meditation. And Annie yesterday gave you some introduction to the metta practice. And I want to talk about it a little bit today in relationship to the equanimity practice that we're going to start to do. Annie may have explained what metta is. Basically, it's loving-kindness. It's a heart that's able to offer goodwill. When we practice uh, this metta or loving-kindness, what we're doing is we're strengthening our ability to offer goodwill. It's important to understand about metta when we do the practice that it's not about uh, offering with an attachment that that person will receive our goodwill. Probably it will happen. But if we do it with some kind of goal in mind, as if we're sending metta and we really want them to receive it, then the near enemy of metta, which is attachment, is actually being formed in the mind and heart. So we really want to be able to offer our goodwill. No attachment to result. It's just an offering, a generosity of the heart. So we can say that uh, metta is a form of generosity, real generosity, where we offer our love without any requirement that that person receive it, that that person say thank you, that that person uh, become more loving because we're offering our love. We offer our love simply out of generosity. So no attachment to result is there. And this is the part where we're really developing in our own hearts the capacity to offer goodwill. So you might say that the aim of metta or loving-kindness is to develop that capacity in our hearts. It's not about the other person receiving it. It's about developing the capacity to offer goodwill, to be generous with our love, unconditional love. When loving-kindness turns to suffering, that aspect of compassion comes out of loving-kindness. So when we turn it to a place in ourselves or others who are suffering, then we feel compassion in our hearts. So the basis of compassion is loving-kindness, is metta. It's important to, to understand that the basis is unconditional love. When we turn loving-kindness to joy, to another person's joy or to joy that we see in the world, the aspect of sympathetic joy, which is the third of the Brahma-viharas, comes out of that connection. So turning loving-kindness to joy, we feel sympathetic joy or empathetic joy in our hearts. The fourth Brahma-vihara is equanimity, which will be practicing either tomorrow or the day after that. I'm just going to see how it goes. When our hearts and minds turn uh, loving-kindness to both the joy and the sorrow in the world, the heart opens very, very wide. And this is the aspect of equanimity, that spaciousness of our own hearts to open to both the joy and the sorrow without getting attached to the joy nor averse towards the sorrow. That's why equanimity is called the spacious balance of the heart with an incredible amount of kindness. It's really important to practice loving-kindness before we go into equanimity because if we don't do that, then the equanimity can be quite dry and uh, disconnected from love. Equanimity is not true equanimity without it being really imbued with loving-kindness. It has to have that basis. 
So this is why we're practicing metta first. We're also building up our concentration when we practice loving-kindness or any of these Brahma-viharas. It's easier to begin it with loving-kindness for a lot of people. So this is why we're starting here. So I mentioned the near enemy, which is attachment, and I also want to mention the far enemy. It's called the far enemy because we can see it from afar, and that is ill will, the opposite of goodwill. We will see both coming up in our practice of loving-kindness. We'll see moments of ill will, aversion, resistance, frustration, not liking come up. We'll also see attachment come up in our practice of loving-kindness. Attachment to the result, attachment to wanting the person to change. We'll experience times when we're offering loving-kindness because we have an ulterior motive, maybe, an agenda, that maybe if I offer enough loving-kindness, that person will change. In the end, we see that this unconditional loving-kindness is about being able to offer our love, even if they don't change, just to love them as they are in all the ways that they express and manifest themselves in this world. So um, attachment, the near enemy, called the near enemy because it's hard to sense it. It seems so close, so near, so the same as loving-kindness. But attachment has a stickiness to it. It has an edge to it. it. It wants that person to change or wants something to happen that will make us feel more comfortable. And the far enemy is ill will in all its various manifestations. You'll see it come up. Whenever it comes up with any of the individuals, either attachment or aversion, it's important to just notice it And if it can remain in the background, then it does remain in the background. Just leave it there. And continue on with your phrases. Continue on with um, whatever, however you're offering, leaving that in the background. If it becomes really hard because you felt some ill will or attachment there, then change the phrase. Sometimes a change of the phrase can, can help things move along just in the, in the river of loving-kindness. If you need to, move to another person, oftentimes going back to yourself. If you're on another person, you're on a friend, for example, and you feel your attachment to that friend or to wanting that person or family member to change, and you, you feel, oh, if this is too strong, then go back to yourself, offering yourself loving-kindness. Going back to yourself whenever things get difficult can be the, a good default setting, uh, something good to go back to. So see if you can remember some of those principles that can make it easy for you to just stay on course with, with the practice. And of course, I'll be reminding you to, um, if you forget where you are, just start again. It always happens. We forget where we are. No problem. Just begin again. So now let's do the practice. Establishing your posture again. As in our Vipassana practice, we want to be relaxed, yet alert. willing and able to come forth with our energy, to say those phrases, to envision or have a sense of those individuals. There's a different energy that we put into loving-kindness. In Vipassana, we're allowing experiences to arise and then seeing them pass away. It takes a certain kind of energy to do that. In metta, we have to hold that person there. And we have to hold a phrase in our mind, even momentarily. And then remember the next phrase and hold that in our minds momentarily. So a different kind of energy needs to be expended there. 
some people have a difficult time shifting to loving kindness. And this is usually why. It takes a different kind of a holding energy. It's more of a concentration practice. So closing the eyes if that feels comfortable. Or keeping them slightly open if that works for you better. Bringing the attention to the body just sitting here. Gentle attention. From the root word of metta, there are these meanings that come out of the root word. One is gentleness and one is friendliness. So as we do the practice, we're really developing that. A clear gentleness, an unsticky friendliness with ourselves and others. So gathering the attention again into the body and connecting our attention to the heart center around the physical heart. Letting the awareness touch that place. And then from that place, we begin to do our practice. Traditionally, we begin with oneself. But if you need to, you can begin with the benefactor. Someone you feel you've had some benefit from in your life. Someone you admire and respect. Easy for you to offer your goodwill to this person. So that's a benefactor. I'll be using words and pronouns with relationship to oneself. If it's easier to start with a benefactor, then you can just change the words. So beginning with oneself. Traditionally, we first Try to remember something about oneself that you really appreciate, that you feel grateful for about yourself. Perhaps it's your persevering energy, your willingness to begin again and again, no matter what has happened. Leave out the times that you don't do that. Just remember the times that you are able to come back and begin again. Or maybe it's your generosity, remembering your kindness towards someone. Take a moment. And then offering oneself this goodwill. Not something that we usually do every day, so it might feel a little awkward. Let it be so, and see if you can continue to offer this goodwill. The phrases may be different, but imbued in every phrase is this offering of goodwill, said in different ways. May I be safe and protected in all ways. Tuning into the deep intention of offering goodwill. May I be safe and protected 
repeating at your own rhythm. Change the words if you need to. May I be happy and peaceful. Offering and receiving. May I be healthy and strong. Seeing if you can release that loving kindness from your heart center. Like a fountain of cool water and mist coming from your heart, spreading through your whole body. Offering, receiving. May this body be healthy and strong. May my heart be at ease, no matter what's happening. May my heart remain at ease. Repeating again the same phrases or your own. You can put a few to memory as I say them again. May I be safe and protected in all ways. May I be peaceful and happy. May this body be healthy and strong. Offering from your heart center, like a fountain of cool water and mist coming from your heart. Spreading throughout and over your body, healthy and strong. May my heart be at ease, no matter what's happening. (coughs) 
finding your own rhythm, your own words. You can use just one phrase. May I be safe, peaceful and happy, healthy and strong. May my heart be at ease with all the conditions of my life. Use your phrases to keep you on track. Remaining with yourself if you choose to, or moving on to the benefactor. Someone you feel benefit, benefited from in your life. It can be an elder, a teacher, family member. It can also be a friend. or a younger person. Someone you can easily offer your goodwill to. So choose that person. Have a sense of who it is. Remember something about that person that helps you to open your heart even more. Something you appreciate. And then offering your unconditional goodwill. May you be safe and protected in all ways.
May you be peaceful and happy. Repeating in your own rhythm. And there might be some long pauses too. That's okay. May you be healthy and strong. May your heart be at ease no matter what's happening. Remembering your benefactor, offering metta to this person. Now moving on to the next individual, traditionally is a dear friend, a loved one. Choosing someone in your life, again someone you can easily offer your loving kindness to. Someone who is in your life Still, not someone who has passed away. Have a clear sense of who it is as much as you can. And then remember something about this person that you appreciate, a situation in the past that opened your heart, made you feel grateful about this person's beingness in your life.
now continuing that flow of loving-kindness towards this person. Connecting with the momentum that you've already developed with the others. Allowing it to flow on to this one. May you be safe and protected. May your goodness always protect you. Peaceful and happy. Be willing to find your own words. Offering unconditionally. If the words are too many, just use one word or two, safe and protected, healthy and strong. Now we move on to the next individual, a neutral person. This is a person we feel neutral towards. Meaning there isn't a lot of aversion or a lot of attachment. It might be a little, but it's not pulling you away from your practice. You can choose someone here, maybe someone on staff, another yogi, 
someone in your neighborhood, your post office clerk. So have a sense of who you're choosing. If you don't remember their face, just kind of remember where they live, where you see them, that area. And with this person, what we reflect on is the very simple fact that all beings want to be happy. Though we don't know the details of this person's life, generally we know that all beings want to be happy, just as we want to be happy. This is so for all beings. Really connect that reflection to this person. And then offering your goodwill. Just as I wish to be safe and protected, may you be safe and protected. Allow that goodwill to be released from your heart center. Imagining that it just lets go from your heart center on your out breath. May you be peaceful and happy. healthy and strong. May your heart be at ease no matter what's happening. And now holding that person in the field of your metta, loving-kindness, the neutral person. And beside that person, put your dear friend that you offered to in this sitting. And on the other side, put your benefactor. See if you can hold the three of them together. If not in a visual way, in a felt sense way, just by saying their names silently to yourself. And then offering your goodwill to all of them together. without any preference, 
without any discrimination. May you all be safe, protected. Just as I wish to be peaceful and happy, may you all be peaceful and happy. healthy and strong. May your hearts be at ease through the changing conditions of your life. opening that field of loving-kindness to include everyone here in the room. May all beings here be safe on your inner journeys and your journeys through life. Safe, protected. Letting that goodwill go on an out-breath. Letting it go to do what it does. No attachment to result, just offering. And then opening to include everyone here at this retreat center, all the ones who serve us. All the beings here on this land. Including the other centers on this land, the study center, the forest refuge, all the beings, all the beings that are practicing, those who are serving, May you all be protected, peaceful, happy. Now coming back to your own heart, grounding the attention there, breathing in and out from there. Just as I wish to be safe, may all beings in all directions be safe. Just as I wish to be happy and peaceful, may all of my family and my friends be happy and peaceful. And may all beings everywhere, in all directions, without exception, those seen and unseen, known and unknown, may your hearts all be at ease. Thank you for your practice. Do you have any questions about your practice um, where you might need some help to 
uh, overcome whatever hindrances there were. The two hindrances of this practice are the attachment and the aversion. Yeah. Can we use metta practice in walking? Definitely so, and I encourage you to try it out. Because sometimes when we're sitting still, you can get really spaced out. You know, you can say a phrase and all of a sudden you're in Starbucks somewhere. (laughs) I'm just saying what happens to my own mind. Um, So when you're walking, we could have a tendency to just be more alive and awake and more energy to do it. So what you can do when you're doing the practice is to coordinate your, the, the cadence of your steps with kind of the rhythm of your words. And um, you can go really fast too. You can do the whole loop doing metta practice. But just be careful that you're paying attention to the cars around you too. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you asked that. Yes. Attachment to self. Can you just give me an example? So, what I mean is, oh, so what are you offering to yourself, and you're taking it as attachment? So, say for example, uh, you say, "May I be peaceful and happy," and it, you're saying it with so much ardor that if you're not peaceful and happy, you're not going to feel any loving kindness at all. You're just going to feel, I want this so badly that you feel constricted. There's a a kind of a stickiness about the phrase. Uh, You're really attached to having that peaceful and happy come true. So it's really tricky to be able to offer without attachment to result. Just an offering, generosity. May I be healthy and strong. That can be one that you might, depending on your conditions, you might have to change the, depending on your health condition, you might have to change the wording. Because sometimes with that, we can have uh, such an attachment to that coming true that we can't feel loving kindness. We just feel like it has to come true or else I'm going to suffer in my life, and that's all that's going to happen. We can't see anything else that can happen. No moments of joy, no moments of peaceful and ease, that we're just so wrapped around that coming true. So for that one, it's usually questions, so I want to give some, uh, some ways that we can use that phrase, especially if we're offering loving-kindness uh, and we're using that phrase to someone who's really ill, like some elder elders in our life, or the benefactor I used is is really just on her way. That's the one I talked about last night. It's she's halfway gone most of the time I visit her. So I have to use a different phrase for that person. I have to use a phrase like, uh, "May your body." be a connection for you as you go through this time in life so that she can ground her attention in the body, something like that. Yes? You you kind of hinted on it yourself just now, but I felt uh, with with one of the people that I sent to a great upwelling, I didn't intend it, but of compassion as Uh. as metta. I guess that's yeah, it's fine, and we'll feel that when we think of a person and when we remember their suffering, you know, that, or remember the hardships they're going through. And, and it may not be so overt, but we still see that part of their lives. Then compassion just naturally, organically comes up. And that's fine. You know, it, it will turn, even in the metta practice, it will turn to compassion. And in fact... Um, in the reflection that we have in, in metas, remembering something good about them. So sometimes we sit and we do the practice and we can't really uh, bring to mind something good about that person because what comes to mind most prevalently is something in their lives that's causing them suffering and that they are suffering. 
and that this is what brings about that welling up or that feeling of goodwill that turns into compassion. So, so sometimes for some of us we may need to reflect on their suffering intentionally, even in the metta practice, because that's what helps us have that loving connection with them. That's okay. I, I, don't, I don't do the practice so strictly that I don't let that happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've I've heard that said before, and, and precisely as you say, from that your generation, um, which is probably my generation too. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, we, we could have a challenge with that. It, it's, we need to be patient so that we can really shift our understanding about it because it does seem awkward. As I said in the very beginning of practice, it can seem awkward to wish ourselves well or to think about something good about ourselves. It's, it's not a place where we go very much. So it's, it's really a time to just um, get comfortable with it. And when we feel the discomfort with it, let it be okay. And, and just carry on with remembering something about ourselves that we feel uh, that's precious about our human life. Or, uh, and the other part is sending ourselves these good wishes, this goodwill. If we feel uncomfortable about it, it can be there in the background. It doesn't have to take over. Is that your, uh-huh. your experience? Yes, it is. And I, I guess I came to feeling that unless I could, um, you know, practice loving, sending loving kindness to myself, um, it was difficult to, to just send loving kindness to other people. Yeah. I had to nourish myself. Yeah, that is the the general principle in in the loving kindness practice, and it's why the Buddha put oneself first. Uh, However, there are many people who can't begin with oneself. That's why we offer. You can start with a benefactor, because for some people it's easier to offer someone else, and then getting used to that, then we can offer oneself. So really respect where, where, what works for you in the practice, where you can really open your heart. Yes, back there. You, yes, wanting to give loving kindness to your children, but the attachment comes naturally. Well, I'm still working on that, so I might not be able to give you the best advice. But I, because I'm working on it, I can tell you that the pitfalls. And like when I come to the place of, may you be happy and peaceful, you know, I can just tell in the tone of my voice that, may you please be happy and peaceful. You know, not all the time. I, not, not all my children. I don't have that relationship with all of my children and with some of them only once in a while um, to give them credit too, you know, for how, what good people they are. But watch your tone when you're, when you're offering the phrases. And um, if you're saying a particular phrase that where you, you can feel there's some stickiness to wanting some result out of it. So maybe if you send them metta, maybe they'll change and you know all that that can come with it where you feel the attachment say another phrase are there phrases that you use that uh, there's more neutrality can you sense that in some of the phrases you use well i have to say i've used the phrases so much over uh-huh. the years that i feel a generalized neutrality 
Uh-huh. Um, in fact, um, which is, is going to serve me well because there's less attachment. Yes. Um, but I think that I stay away from the more intense wishes because of the pitfall I know I'll go into. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, w- keep them general. Keep the phrases general. Right. So, if if we get too specific in the phrases, too, you know, uh, whatever it might be, I can't even think of what it might be. It just I been so used to having my phrases very general. But when we get too specific, no matter whether it's to our children, to ourself, to an elder, um, or a neutral person, if we get too specific, the chance for attachment to come up is greater. Because, you know, it, it just stands to reason that it might be like that. So watching your tone, keeping a general sense of it, changing your phrases if you need to. Sometimes don't even use a phrase. Just that as much as I can, I'm offering goodwill to you. You can just remember goodwill. Because that's the opposite of ill will, which is why we do the practice. Yeah. Sometimes metta or loving kindness is too strong of a word. You know, loving and even kindness. Goodwill can be more towards neutral. Mm-hmm. I wish you uh, goodwill. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, something that you can use it for somebody that's really challenged you, who's been unkind. That's where we're going to tomorrow. So I, um, that's why I, we didn't get to the difficult person yet today, so we could practice with these. Uh, but I know we want to get to that person, you know. They, <laughs> they can come up, and we, we just um, are, you know, really looking forward to that. So if that person came up today because they just came up, and you, uh, they were there, so okay, offering to you. Keep general. Again, the same kind of principles. Keep general in your phrases because we might have the may you, may you please stop being such a, you know, <laughs> fill in the blank. <laughs> That's exaggerating. But don't go there to that place. Um, sometimes we need to say, as much as I can, I offer you my goodwill. As much as I can. And then maybe it's only this much. You know, you can't even see the space between your fingers. But as much as I can, I offer you my goodwill. And then there, there are ways tomorrow that I'll, I'll um, expand that out. Sometimes you have to choose somebody that's not so difficult to, to begin with. Somebody that maybe just annoys you rather than somebody who has hurt you. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes you have the, sometimes the uh, our children are in the difficult person category, not because they're bad or we don't love them, but it's not because they're difficult, it's because we have difficulty with that. So you can if you feel that, then save that for save that person for later. So it's not just because they're close to us and in our family that they're in a loved one. Uh, category. Many times they're in that difficult person category because somehow there's attachment to wanting such and such to be so for them or there's something about our relationship is difficult with them and that is so true for anyone close to us. So not always but sometimes. It's not that we demote them, you know, that they're in that category. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, I want to ask, in the Vipassana meditation, 
musician. Uh huh. I usually welcome the sounds of people moving. Yes. But in this, um, as it is concentration. Yes. It, um, it keeps me away from. Uh, yes. Goodwill. Right. And Annie suggested to um, turn the loving kindness to, uh, to the. The person. Or whatever feeling you get uh, annoyed or... Uh, oh, your own feeling. My own feeling. Yes, right. And, um, uh, kept out of my, of my concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, she suggested to turn the loving kindness to the feeling. Right. Of being annoyed or whatever. That's right. Is there any other uh, suggestion? Yeah, so the comment is about when we're doing... Uh, the when we're doing metta, it is a concentration practice, so it's, it's important to be as still as we can be. And I, I just, I know, I, I usually say that, but I just have had compassion for the heat, and it's the first days. But w- I will be reminding you to keep as still as you can be, especially at the transitions, because everywhere I go, I notice... And even in my own practice, I notice as soon as we get to another person, there's a lot of shifting and changing. But for your own good, it's really better if, if you can just stay still. Of course, if you're having a terrible pain, go ahead and, and uh, mindfully move. But a lot of times we move just out of habit, just because there is a space and uh, now we go on, you know, to the neutral person. A lot of goes on in the hall. It's okay. I, I'm not annoyed by that at all. But I know that it is. It's difficult for people who are just trying to um, gain some concentration in the practice. Metta and all the Brahma Viharas are a concentration practice because we have to hold that phrase, hold that person. And then hold maybe the feeling of loving kindness that comes up. And we really need stillness and we need some, some degree of silence. Uh, we can't get too stiff about it or else it's just going to be a lot of suffering for ourselves if, if we insist on that in, you know, in such a group, uh, a big group. So we do the best we can and um, just having respect for one another. But when we have to move, and we can't be loving if we're having a terrible pain in the knee. So we just have to move very carefully. So that, that's about that area. And when you're feeling really um, kind of ruffled inside, take that loving kindness and put it on that feeling of being ruffled, of you know, feeling a, a sense of not having concentration, feeling kind of annoyed by that. Instead of going outward, come inward with that experience. And you, you might change that. Um, it might change by itself to a feeling of compassion because we're suffering, you know. So turning that compassion inward. And sometimes even from there it can understand, okay, you know, people move because it hurts. Then we feel compassion for out there, and we can continue the practice easily. Yeah. One last question over there. I found that when we moved to a loved one, that it was similar, like an outpouring of emotion, but I mean, whole waterworks, and just such a deep connection. Uh Uh-huh. I I literally, I feel exhausted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something. Oh, it's it turned into compassion. No, it was complete compassion. I mean, it was. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't sadness or sorrow or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, sometimes that outpouring and that connection is is requires a lot of energy. Yeah. In, in time, we learn how to bring more equanimity into the metta, just as we bring more metta in the equanimity. So we can feel the strength of that energy and that connection with a, more of a spacious balance. Because sometimes with, sometimes with the metta, 
um, it gets to be like it, it's in this small container just in the heart. And uh, it feels, it can be like a little pressure cooker in there. So when it opens, it gets really surprising and there's a lot of energy. So we feel that in the beginning. And later you might see as you continue the practice that we can feel a very deep connection and uh, a very loving connection. And the heart can be very spacious and balanced in that spaciousness. And there's calmness in that spaciousness. But it can be very powerful the way we feel. Indeed, the loving kindness can feel like it fills up and goes beyond the space that we can even imagine. So it's as if that this body, this mind, this heart is within. It's coming from within and it's all around and there's a balance, there's an evenness of the mind in all of that. So there's not this big surge or... And so I, I would feel that a lot in, even in my daily life where I feel this very deep connection but it doesn't have to come in any way as a big energy. It, it can be neutral in a way, but deep. So they're just naming the possibilities. It's not always like that, but it can be like that. Yeah, we'll learn more of that when we do the equanimity practice. Um, just because of the way that I'm I'm going to form it, to come back to our hearts, feel what's going on there, and develop equanimity about what's going on in our hearts. Yeah, that surge of energy or whatever we feel. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Thank you for your practice. Good questions. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.